Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Our relationship with God impacts our relationship with people. And here's what's happening. He pronounces this curse. He said, may fire consume Shechem and consume Abimelech. If you have done wrong, God has set laws up in nature that if we violate those laws, there are consequences. You can't escape it. You can't get around it. They happen. There's a domino effect. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. God has set up laws in nature that have a cause and effect. The Bible says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. Today, Pastor Ed will be reminding us that God has given us His Word so that we can be aware of the effects of sin and what God considers to be sinful. Don't allow the world, the flesh, and the devil to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Only the Bible should be your authority that tells you how to live as a Christian. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, The Hand of Divine Retribution. They crown Abimelech king. But how did he get there? Well, in verses 1 to 3, he uses relationships to achieve his personal ambition. Abimelech, he's the son of Gideon, went to his mother's brother in Shechem, they're his uncles, said to them and all the mother's clan, ask all the citizens of Shechem, which is better for you, to have all 70 of Jeroboam's sons rule over you, or just one man? Remember, I'm your flesh and blood. When the brothers repeated all this to the citizens of Shechem, they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he's our brother. So what he does is he uses a disadvantage because his mother was from Shechem. There were relationships there, and he's going to say, listen, I'm one of you. I'm closer to you. He used the relationships that he had there to get what he wanted. Sometimes people form friendships and relationships for the wrong motives, for motives that are impure and not right. How many times people get close to people with money or power, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, whether it's at the job, and their intent is to have an in with the boss, Their intent is to have an in with this political leader so that they can push their agenda. Now that's life here in America. It's a reflection of the way our culture functions. But Christians are to be very different in how we handle ourselves and how we live in this present world. Our attitude can't be like the culture that we live in. And so, you see, he, he says, listen, we have a blood relationship. We're relatives here. And he wants to advance his personal agenda of one day being the king. His father lived like a king. His mother named Abimelech, Abimelech, which means my father's a king. Now, 
the Shechemites would have felt, that's not a bad idea. He's close to us, we'll have an in with him. And besides, if we support him, guess what happens? He owes us. We helped him get that position. Doesn't that sound like special interest groups? Special interest groups in the political arena. Imagine a politician being elected and said, listen, I know you supported me. I know you were the greatest fundraisers for me, but this is not good for the nation. It's not good for the state. No. So many are operating on the wrong basis, and our nation and our culture is so inbred with this that we fail to see it and that we fail to respond against it. Now, the question that they should have asked Is this man God's appointed king? Is this the one that God has chosen? Not as for their selfish motives or his selfish motives. And that's true whether you work at a job, whether you're in the church, whether you are involved in politics. The relationships that we have with one another and with people should be out of a pure heart. We should seek to honor God in all that we do. You may say, well, pastor, that's idealistic. Man, maybe it's idealistic, but it's biblical. We should have this sense of pleasing the Lord in how we live out our lives. Relationships that are built on self-centered motives can be very destructive. See, when evil intentions or wrong intentions unite us, what will happen is that it will divide us eventually. Thieves rob from each other. So if your friends are thieves and you're hanging out with them, don't be surprised if they rob you. And so what happens is you could see that evil is not cohesive, but righteousness is, goodness is, character is. Then something else in Abimelech, he he uses his relationships, he uses the fact that he has relatives there, he says, anoint me king, Then he does something else. He uses assassination to achieve his personal ambition. What he does is they take uh, money from the temple in verses four to five, uh, 70 shekels of silver. He hires some reckless men, some men who are going to do what he wants them to do, and they actually go to his father's town, Orpha, where his brothers live. And he takes those brothers, and one by one, he murders them on a stone. Now, I don't know if that was the altar that Gideon had built, but he butchers them. How do you butcher your brothers one after another after another? He didn't want any rival. He didn't want anyone competing with him. Now, in our culture, you're not going to see politicians do that. But wouldn't it be something to see a politician speak well of the man he's running against? No, they magnify their flaws and they minimize their opponent's strengths and they ignore their own flaws and they magnify themselves. What happens in the culture around us seeps into the culture we live in. And we begin, without even knowing it, taking on those type of characteristics. So we, so willingly, if we want to achieve something, we sometimes minimize others. 
We assassinate their character. We may try and promote ourselves. And we do things like that. We have to march to a different drumbeat. We have to live with a sense that God sees and God knows. And so that's what's happening here. Could you picture a a politician standing up before the people and say, you know, my predecessor did a great job. And if it wasn't for him, our economy wouldn't be as good. And partly the reason I'm successful is because of what he did. No, they only think about what they didn't do right or they only put the person that they followed in the worst light. I, I pray that we would look at what's happening within our nation and our culture, all those things around us, and we would look at it through a biblical lens that we wouldn't be involved in the constant battle and criticism, all these things that go on, that we would recognize that we're accountable to God. See, what's happening in Abimelech, he's going to become king no matter what. If he has to assassinate his own father's children, this must be this resentment in his heart towards his father, this disrespect towards his father. Uh, There is this resentment towards his brothers because he was the son of a concubine. They were the son of the Gideon's wives. And you could see this motivation. Someone has said, Christians frequently show more skill using the critical knife than the tender, grateful thanks to parents pastors, mentors, friends, or educators who have labored to lead them in the grace and the wisdom of God. So here's Abimelech, and he is going to do whatever he can to achieve his ambitions. God help us to have holy ambitions, to have pure motives, not to look at using people for our own benefit, and not to fall into being used. Notice the parable now of divine retribution. There's a man of God. He's Jotham. He's one of the youngest of Gideon's sons. He escapes. He goes to a mountain, Mount Gerizim. He's going to the place where they pronounced blessing. On the other mount, they pronounced it like it was an amen. It was a chorus going back and forth when historically they were seeking the blessing of the Lord at Shechem. And he he speaks so that the whole town can hear. They're partying. They're celebrating. And then he, he gives this parable. At the end of the parable, he says, if you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants today, then may you find joy in Abimelech and may he find joy in you. But if you have not acted in good faith, then may fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo. And may fire come out of the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. He gives this parable then. It's really the first parable of scripture. Uh, some call it a fable. It, it can be seen as a parable as well. He gives this parable about the trees gathering together and they want to make a king. And so I'll, I'll read to you some of the verses. Uh, one day... The trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree answered, should I give up my oil by which both gods and men are honored to hold sway over the trees? The next, the trees said to the fig tree, come be our king. But the fig tree replied, should I give up my fruit so good and sweet to hold sway over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, come and be our king. 
And the vine answered, Should I give up the, my wine, which cheers both gods and men to hold sway over the trees? Finally, all the trees said to the thorn bush, That's a bramble bush, Come and be our king. The thorn bush said to the trees, If you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. Now, a thorn bush or a bramble weed would have been maybe a foot, two feet high. Could you picture all these trees bowing down, getting shade there? So what Jotham is doing is, is he's actually saying, it's ridiculous. A bramble bush, a, a thorn bush becoming king? It's absolutely ludicrous. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes I felt that way about some politicians. <laughs> I mean, when you think of some of the people in leadership, you think of Hitler, Mussolini, you think of Stalin. Think of sometimes the most unqualified people. And it's interesting. These others said, no, we're bearing fruit. We're doing what we should do. We know what we're called. We're called to bear figs. We're called to make oil. We're called to bear wine. Knowing your purpose, knowing your place, knowing what God has for you. And that's what he's saying to the people. And, and he says, now, if you treated Gideon well, and they didn't, they failed to remember what they were enjoying was from the past, the victory that Gideon had over the Midianites. But yet they failed to honor his family. They killed all of his sons, except for one. It's so, when you see how ungrateful sometimes we are, it's because of a lack of relationship with God. People forget God, and it impacts their relationship with one another. When people honor God, it impacts their relationship with one another. Our relationship with God impacts our relationship with people. And here's what's happening. He pronounces this curse. He said, may fire consume Shechem and consume Abimelech. If you have done wrong, God has set laws up in nature that if we violate those laws, there are consequences. Can't escape it. You can't get around it. They happen. There's a domino effect. No, we're not always aware of why things happen. And if I think God would draw aside the curtain and we could see behind the scenes, we would see God working. Look at the unfolding of divine retribution. Here's the divine commentator. Verses 23 to 24. The unfolding of divine retribution against unrighteous ambition, ambition that Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, that Abimelech, that's so prevalent in our culture. God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading cities of Shechem, and they revolted. Now, the NIV says, God said an evil spirit, and I think the English Standard Version translates it that way. God uses evil to punish evil. So God allows this conflict to happen. And the men of Shechem actually become angry with Abimelech. It says, God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in the treachery of murdering his brothers. So these people who are together are now against each other. How often that happens when the motivations that bring people together are wrong motivations those motivations actually backfire and consume them. And here's what's happening in 
Evil destroys evil. The fire from Shechem, uh, that's all the way from verse 25 to 29. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed by the way. So his administration would look terrible, but then also they were trying to hurt Abimelech. Someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Gael, he is someone who comes to Shechem, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely, and everyone began to curse Abimelech. This is Abimelech's king three years. They have this party at Shechem, and they're all beginning to curse Abimelech saying things about him. Now, you could see this prophecy is coming to pass. This word of judgment is coming to pass. And they begin to revolt. Then you could see Abimelech's response. The governor talks to him, tells him what's happening. He attacks the people, and he goes far beyond what he should do. Gael leaves the city, but the weakness of his father, Gideon, is magnified in his life. Remember Gideon took vengeance? And he, he killed those people, the Jewish people, on the Transjordan side because they didn't support him in the war against the Midianites. And so Gideon had this personal sense of vengeance, and he kills his own people. Now, before, the problems that the Israelites faced were from outside. The Midianites, the Amalekites, the Philistines, all the people around. But now the problems that they're going to have are from within, brother fighting brother. And the conflict grows, and more and more destruction comes. It says, the fire from Abimelech. All that day Abimelech pressed his attack against the city until he had captured it and killed its people. He's killing the people of Shechem. Then he destroyed the city and scattered salt over it. Imagine if, if Gettysburg was just, all the monuments were taken down, the city was completely destroyed, and they, to put salt on it means that it wouldn't be able to harvest. The land became useless. I think about the great monuments to Christianity in the past in our nation. I think when I go into New York City, sometimes you look at these huge churches, and they're empty. There's nobody there worshiping the Lord. I think about when I went to Scotland and I visited once prominent places for God and where God's word was preached and taught. And now those churches, you can see the outside, oh, that's a church. They said, no, no, now it's a pub. What happens is Shechem is, is devastated. Place of so many godly memories, the central part of the nation. And it says here, so all the men cut branches in the fall of Abimelech. They piled them against a stronghold and set it on fire over the people inside. So all the people in the tower of Shechem, about a thousand men and women died. So he sets this tower where they took refuge, leading people. The prophecy is being fulfilled. They're being consumed by fire. Then Abimelech is angry with one of the other communities in a neighboring town. Maybe, again, he's taking it way too far. Vengeance, revenge. He, he's going beyond the, the, the normal limits, and so he's going to go. And he plunders another city, and he goes to the tower. And there he is, and he sets this tower on fire as well. He's going to the door, and just as he's going, there happens to be a woman who took the grinding stone from home that she used to grind grain with. 
And she just happened to be at the top of that tower at that time. And she just happened to be right over the door. And he comes just at that moment and she just drops the stone. And it lands on Abimelech's head. And it cracks his skull. He killed his brothers on a stone. And he would die from a stone thrown on him. Now he goes to one of his soldiers and says, kill me. I don't want people to know that a woman slayed me. This is from the message translation. He came up to the tower door to set it on fire. Just then a woman dropped an upper millstone on his head and crushed his skull. He called urgently to his young armor bearer and said, draw your sword and kill me so that they can't say of me a woman killed him. He's concerned in the beginning about his image and he's concerned in the end about his image and he dies that way. That's what's important to Abimelech. Again, I think of what our nation and where we are. You know, I'm so grateful that our first president... President Washington. At the very beginning, our nation was in very difficult straits. Financially, after the war, there were those around him who pleaded with him, become a king, become a king, be our king. He didn't do it. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. If he did, our nation would be very, very different now and far different than it is. You know, I, I notice in this text a couple of important things that I want to summarize the sermon with. One, our sins can impact generations after we've passed on. Gideon's dead, but he made the ephah, or the ephah, and he led, it's a snare to his family, and it was a snare to Abimelech. And because of what he did, his sons suffered and were killed. And you could see it was part of the judgment of God. The scripture tells us that, part of the judgment of God. Our sins have grave consequence. So it's important that we walk very softly in the presence of the Lord, that we endeavor to walk before God with a heart that's broken and contrite, And we go to him continually to keep a very short account. What I see in this text is that proverbial saying, what goes around comes around. God has a way of watching and seeing and knowing. We may not understand all the events of our time. We may not be able to interpret because the curtain hasn't been drawn for us to see and understand. But trust the Lord with retribution. I've been really upset what's happening to believers in Iraq. I've been praying. I'm angry at what I see. But God knows and he sees and he loves them far more than any of us possibly could love our brothers and sisters in Christ. But God, God's watching. Nothing escapes his notice. Recognize that God is involved in the events of our time, even though we may not fully understand what's happening. I could picture the people saying, why, what's happening to the nation? Where's God in this? And God's there. Abimelech is going to be consumed by fire. Shechem is going to be consumed by fire. And this first renegade person who wants to become king, well, he's going to be consumed by fire. As I think about our Christian life, my prayer is that, Lord, help us to walk with a sense of accountability to you. 
Because God does judge not only at the end of time, but all through the journey. And so serve Him with reverence, with godly and holy fear. Throughout the history of the nation of Israel, there have been various forms of leadership. From the creator of heaven and earth, to kings, to judges. The book of Judges details the time when God chose judges like Othniel and Deborah to make right ruling in Israel. Join us each day as Pastor Ed shares with us verse by verse from the book of Judges. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Visiting the website will also help you stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845 462 5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Judges. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.